Welcome everybody back to the Little Dubs and Uncle Mac show. I'm Uncle Mac. I'm Little Dubs. Week three, show three in the books coming up. Thank you all for joining us. It's been a heck of a week in sports and wrestling. So we're just going to jump right into it just because of what has happened over the last 24 hours. And it's 100% uh, entertaining, I got to tell you. In the NBA, the Los Angeles Clippers, after leading three games to one, meaning all they needed to do was win one more game, and then we would get that ex- you know, exciting matchup, I suppose is what everyone was wanting. It was definitely a sexy matchup, much sexier than this one. The Lakers versus the Clippers, the battle for L.A. to get to the NBA Finals, except one team didn't live up to expectations. One team might have, I don't know, crapped themselves, crapped <laughs> the bed. You know, I'm trying to be PG here, but uh, but uh, I'd say they definitely uh, blew it. And I'm talking about the L.A. Clippers because the Nuggets come roaring back, win three in a row, eliminate the Clippers. Now we get the Denver Nuggets against the L.A. Lakers. This has been crazy, little dubs. It really has. I was one of those people that was ready to go ready for the Battle of L.A. It was built up since the beginning of the season when the Clippers signed Kawhi Leonard. You know, it was really excited. We were going to get that Kawhi Leonard versus LeBron in the in the Western Finals again. And it just didn't happen. The Clippers completely choked. But they ran into a really good Nuggets team that got really hot at the right time. Right. And it was so much fun to watch. The whole time I was I was rooting, I was like, man, the Clippers can't blow this. Like, it can't happen, right? Like, it, it's supposed to be Clippers, Lakers in the final. In and they got the Kawhi finals. Leonard in the offseason. Yeah, exactly. That was the guarantee, right? <laughs> it was the guarantee ticket to the Western, Con- or Western Conference Finals to get to the NBA Finals. And it just didn't happen. It wasn't written in stone. The Nuggets said, hmm. I don't think so. I think it's our turn to punch the ticket. And now we get the Nuggets versus the Lakers. And it's just, uh, I don't know. I got to tell you, you know, we, we were, I, I wasn't paying attention at the beginning of the game. I'll be honest. You know, I, I was paying attention to some football stuff, preparing for our show today. And, and you called me out of the blue. You're like, hey, uh, Uncle Mac, you, you need to turn on the TV and watch this second half of this basketball game because – we might get a big comeback and a big upset. And I got to tell you, it was kind of fun to watch the meltdown happen. It was kind of fun to watch the Nuggets go up big and all of a sudden, with like two minutes left in the game or whatever it was, know that, hey, we're going to the NBA Finals against the LA Lakers and LeBron James. And we're ruining this storybook creation that is going to be made up in La La Land about what would happen if the Clippers met the Lakers in the battle for L.A., not at the Staples Center, but, you know, if it wasn't in the bubble, that would have been kind of cool. And we didn't get it. So maybe that's why, you know, maybe uh, the basketball gods wanted to wait until they could both play in L.A. again next year to do it. But it was fun watching the Nuggets just totally dismantle and annihilate and crush, you know, their opponent, uh, whether it be the Clippers or anyone else. So, you know, the question that pops up, you know, after watching that, after getting excited about that, and, and even, you know, I'm, I'm not a Nuggets fan, I'm not a Clippers fan, I got no loyalty 
or no dog in the race, if you will. And I don't think you do either right now. Nope. But it was, you know, kind of exciting watching a team that you're not rooting for do something like that, see it end, and be like, wow, this is so cool. And then watching all the after the game uh, reactions from social media out there, certain guys going insane because they couldn't figure it out. I thought it was pretty entertaining. I mean, if basketball and sports in general is supposed to entertain you, it absolutely did that for us last night. Oh, absolutely. It really did. It, it, like you said, you know, I didn't have a dog in the in the fight, but it was one of those things where you were like, wow, you know, now looking forward, it's like, okay, now you kind of want to see if the Nuggets can knock off the Lakers now, and you know, and go to the finals, and because and, that would be awesome. But at the same time, you, you take a step back and you're like, okay, now it's going to come to an end. Lakers are going to take care of business, and we're going to see the Lakers back in the finals. Are you certain on that? I, I'm not. <laughs> but neither am I. It, um, and and you can't be because I mean, the the Nuggets just did something that's never been done in history. Is they were down not in one series down three one, but they were down in two series three one, and they came back both times. So if you're the Lakers, you got to think, okay, if we get up three one, is it going to be a repeat? Is it going to be three in a row that they're going to do this? Or, you know, are the Lakers going to be like, no, we're just going to handle it in four straight games, take care of business, and punch our ticket? Exactly, exactly. It's going to be entertaining. You know, in the Eastern Conference, we got the Miami Heat against the Boston Celtics, and that game came down in the wire. You know, it was pretty close at the end, 117-114. I think whoever comes out of there, you know, obviously is going to make a marquee match of it. It's the Lakers and... You know, the Celtics, we get another one of those, you know, it is before your time, but back in the day, you know, Bird versus Magic, that's kind of cool if we see a Lakers-Celtics matchup. But I don't think anybody wants that except, you know, the diehard historians. A lot of people are probably thinking, what would happen if we see LeBron and his new Lakers versus the team he took his talents to over in, you know, the Miami Heat? That's kind of got a sexy little appeal as well. Absolutely it does. And and it's a Miami Heat team that doesn't have Dwayne Wade on it. That's the big thing. Or LeBron James. Yeah. You know, everybody went there and LeBron got his first title. I mean, wouldn't that be so much irony if he goes, takes the Lakers to the finals, but he meets up with the Heat and the Heat beat them? <laughs> like, I mean, that would be awesome for me to watch. Yeah, right. That'd be kind of so, cool. But we're ignoring this uh, underdog right now, and I don't know if they're really an underdog anymore. Okay, because they just got rid of one of the best teams in the NBA. I yeah, no, like I like to see I, the Nuggets ruin these stories because you're right. There's a fun story there. It is definitely a historical story, Lakers versus Celtics. It's definitely a, a media frenzy of a story. LeBron and the Lakers versus the LeBron-less Miami Heat. But... We might get, you know, a really good basketball team out of the Nuggets who gets to take on one of these Eastern Conference juggernauts over there. And I'm okay with that. You know, based on what I saw yesterday, I'm going to absolutely, you know, follow what the Nuggets do against the Lakers moving forward here. But it's going to be something where I think, you know, we're in a win-win situation. The bubble's been a really intriguing time. I mean, all the way from, you know, the Phoenix Suns going undefeated in that bubble and missing the playoffs and, Maybe they're an exciting young team. So what we got now in the playoffs where you're seeing the team you expected to be there, the Lally Lakers, 
against a couple of teams, you know, or a few teams right now. But I don't know if we expected these other three teams to be there. So it's been fun. You know, it's been fun to see all this kind of transpire and go out throughout this entire NBA season. And, and I'm excited to see where we go with the NBA, you know, conference finals right now and the championship coming up shortly after. Yeah, it should be an exciting time for basketball. It is. It is pretty cool. Now, let's stick with Los Angeles real quick. Okay? Today, after beating the Padres, the LA Dodgers became the first team to clinch an MLB playoff spot. Yes, they did. Okay? And they beat the, I don't know, are they the Nuggets version of the MLB's, you know, baseball team? In the Padres, okay? I mean, this team made all those moves at the deadline. They've made moves in the offseason. And if you're not paying attention to this, you know, I say small market team because they're not a small market. But they're kind of been treated like, you know, being a small market, the way they do things there. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, this Dodger-Padre rivalry that's going on, even though, you know, the Dodgers clinched, what do you think's going on? I mean, we have, you know, this bubble that's being proposed and has been approved in the last 48 hours by Major League Baseball, where they're going to play the playoffs there. Um, There's going to be one in California, one in Texas, I believe, is where we're at right now. And eight teams. Yeah. Um, You know, we're going to get a lot of teams for the first time in baseball making the playoffs. You know, as much as it hurts me to say congratulations, Dodgers, on clinching, being the first team to clinch, but, Uncle Mac, I'll be honest with you, I'm not surprised about the Padres. I don't know if you remember a few months back before the season started, I said, you know what? I guarantee you that the Padres will be the team that surprises everybody because of the short season. They're going to light it up. Watch. You know, we were joking about that. I do recall. <laughs> uh, there was also, I think, a Diamondback reference about how great they were going to be in. That prediction didn't turn out so well. Yeah, uh, you no, know, they but, did not. But yes, you know, and we were hoping to have a special guest on the show today. Uh, we'll call him Merv, uh, and hopefully we'll have him in the future. And he's a big Padre fan. So we're going to get him before the playoffs actually begin just to get his, you know, take on his Padres and to see where we're at. Let me get a couple other people, a couple other guests uh, from San Diego specifically to get some feedback as to what they're feeling there, how the excitement level is when you're not able to go to the game, but your team is still doing this, and there's hope in a franchise that hasn't had hope in a long time. But I, I think, we, you know, as cool as that story may be for some people, and you know, it is what it is, the question I got is, are the Dodgers still the most talented team in the National League? Obvi- I mean, obviously, they're the first team to clinch in all of MLB. So, I mean, you have to think about it in that aspect. I, you know, they, they probably are at this moment. But I can totally see the Padres starting to take over that rank. They have so much young talent. I mean, I don't know if you haven't watched uh, Tatis. You haven't been watching baseball at all exactly. this year. That kid is just awesome and so much fun to watch. And he plays the game with so much energy. So much fun to watch. But I think the Padres soon, if not haven't already, will be the team to watch in the NL. In the NL. Not just the NL West, but in the NL for the near future. 
I think it's going to make it very interesting to see what they do in the playoffs. But, but let's go back to the Dodgers. So you have this team that is filled with stars, just riddled with, you know, a mix of young talent and veteran talent. Mookie Betts has been an awesome addition to them. I mean, and the guy's amazing. Cody Ballinger, you know, he has his ups, he has his downs, but when the guy's on, he's awesome. You know, Max Muncy the same way. You got Justin Turner came back recently. You know, you got Kershaw on the mound. Uh, you, you could just keep going on and on. Kenley Jensen, I don't think he's been the same Kenley Jensen for a while. You know, I don't know if he strikes fear in batters anymore. But you look at the Dodgers, and we had this conversation many, many, many weeks ago. Okay, when the season was first being talked about on May 15th. The rumors were May 15th is when we were going to start the baseball season. Obviously, that didn't happen. But the question was... Does a schedule like this, where you play limited games, and you play more playoff teams now. We have eight teams going in. So, mm -hmm. assuming they finish in the number one seed, and they play a number eight seed, whomever that might be, and and they should win, You know, even though it's a three-game series, is this the season that Los Angeles finally gets their Dodgers a world season championship, or... Is this just another year where the Dodgers, you know, flirted with greatness, teased the fans, tempted the media, and came flat again? You know, I think one thing with the short season is I think a team like the Dodgers is going to benefit from it. And I think this is the perfect time for the Dodgers to get over that hump and win the World Series. Honestly, they've been playing at the highest level for the past few years, getting to the playoffs and just continuing that just onslaught of just destroying teams. That by the time they get to the playoffs and then they end up getting to the World Series, that I feel like the team just gets burnt out. Because like you said, you know, they have that young talent, but they also have that veteran presence, and I think they lean on their veterans presence so much that the veterans just kind of fizzle out. You know, but with having that shortened season, I don't think there's going to be a time for them to fizzle out. I think this is the ideal time for the Dodgers to capture that moment and get that World Series in L.A. and finally get over that hump and hold up the trophy at the end of it all. So right now, and I'm just kind of looking at the teams that they could possibly play round one, who could be that eighth playoff team. You know, the Giants are in the mix, the Cardinals are in the mix, the Brewers are in the mix, the Reds are in the mix, the Phillies are in the mix. Believe it or not, the Rockies are still in the mix for that number eight seat. But the Miami Marlins, managed by former Dodger manager Don Mattingly, they're not that far ahead of everybody else. You know, they're eight and a half games behind the Dodgers, but the difference between you know, their eight and a half games and Colorado's or Milwaukee's, you know, 12 games back uh, is just a bad week. Let's be real. You know, if the Marlins have a bad week, they're going to fall back. And they potentially could be that eighth seed. The Marlins started off really hot. You know, they were one of the better teams, even though they had the, the breakout with the team and they missed a bunch of games in the beginning and infected a bunch of people because they decided to party a little too hardy. <laughs> uh, but I get it. I get it. You know, you're indoors. Now you get to go outdoors. You're going to act like a fool. And they did a pretty good job doing that. But I'm kind of hoping for a minor collapse from them. 
because I would love to see Don Mattingly's team have to play the Dodgers, the team that, you know, kicked them out, said goodbye, you're not the guy. Um, there were a lot of really, I guess we'll say, uh, not-so-pleasant things they said about him, you know, nicknames they had for him in L.A. after a while. But I think that's a team that, you know, even though they could be the eighth seed going against the number one seed, they could upset the Dodgers in a three-game series. Do you think there's another team of the teams I named or maybe a couple others who could do that to them and embarrass them, you know, just like some other L.A. teams have had happen to them recently? I mean, thinking about it, if I had to pick a team, I would have to say the Cardinals. And the reason I'm going to say the Cardinals is because they have Paul Goldschmidt. And when Paul Goldschmidt was at the Diamondbacks, I was really sad when I saw him get traded. But I understood it. It made sense. I knew what they were doing. And to be honest with you, Paul Goldschmidt is a Dodger killer. And I could totally see him upsetting the Dodgers in the playoffs. But I think you're right, Uncle Mac. I think if you can get Don Mattingly and the Marlins against his former teams and the Dodgers, I think that's you know baseball money in the first round right there. Absolutely. It's just the stories. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I don't think the, you know, the Dodgers will lose to Don Mattingly and the Marlins. But in a three-game series, if uh, it goes down to game three, that could be kind of interesting, especially if uh, Kershaw – Draws game three rather than game, you know, one or two. Yeah. So, you know, let's move on to the American League. In the American League, the Chicago White Sox are leading the way. They're, they're number one in the league right now. But Tampa Bay is only a game back. Oakland's only a game and a half back. And Minnesota's only two games back. Okay, and then you have the Yankees at four games back. And the American League seems maybe a little bit more wide open. Who's your favorite? in the American League to, to go to the World Series this season? I'm going to stick with the Yankees, man. I, I picked them in the beginning of the year to go to go to the World Series. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to ride that train out and and hope to see a Yankees-Dodgers World Series. That'd or a Yankees-Padres World Series. I wouldn't <laughs> mind that either. Yeah, we've <laughs> seen that before. But, yeah, that, yeah, I guess both have happened before. But I think that would be awesome. Now, I'm going to go down the standings. Okay, now 2020 has been a weird year, right? We Everyone can agree this is the obvious. Maybe the most um, awkward of years. Maybe the most uh, unforgiving of years. Maybe the most evil of years. I mean, there's been some really bad stuff happening out there. And there's a lot of the that that we're not going to talk about here intentionally. Because we want to give you an escape when you listen to our show. Okay, 
But one of the bad things that came out of 2020 was us finding out that the Houston Astros cheated to win the World Series. Okay. Yep. You know, they, they signaled with garbage cans, and everyone knows the story there. You know, the Dodgers got screwed out of winning the world championship possibly against them a few years back or a couple years back. Uh, and, and then, you know, other teams. The Red Sox were ha- did not happy with them. And you have the Joe Kelly situation with them later on uh, this year or earlier this year. You know who's sitting at number eight right now in the American League standings? The Houston Astros. The Houston Astros. <laughs> and I'm sitting here and I'm like, you know what? In a year that makes no sense about anything, uh, in a year where, you know, we, we have so much going on. I, you know, you, we've joked we're waiting for the aliens to come say hi on Election <laughs> Day. Or maybe they're just waiting for Halloween so they'll blend in with everybody. But wouldn't it be appropriate that the Astros are the team out of the American League? That just upsets all of us by making that run. Absolutely. And, you know, we'll be miserable watching them do it. And it won't make any sense because right now, guess who they're going to, you know, they're taking on the number one seeded. Chicago White Sox, you know, if it all started today. And that'd be interesting to see if the White Sox can handle them. But you just kind of get this feeling that there's so much negativity in the world of, of sports and baseball specifically towards Houston, except probably not in Texas or Houston specifically, that maybe that, that negativity is turning into some kind of positivity for them. Because they're just hanging around. They're, they're one game under 500 at 24 yeah. and 25. But they're right there at the number eight seed. They yeah. would make the playoffs right now, just based on you know seedings one through eight, and they would be the last wild card team taking on the White Sox, playing that three game playoff. And you could see them winning that game, game yeah. one. You could see them winning game two, and maybe even you know if it had to go a game three, you know. But even if it did, that some would happen, and it'd probably be Jose Altuve that did it. <laughs> you know, and everyone's like, what the heck's going on? No one's pounding on a garbage can. And then who knows? You know, could they hang with the Yankees this year? Could they hang with the Oakland A's? Could they hang with Tampa Bay? You know, or any other teams that they're going to see? But I just, in the back of my mind, have a really, 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 you know, I'm going to call it a bad feeling that that's going to be the team that might surprise everybody this year. I can in see this it. new playoffs thing. It's just crazy. But aside from them, is there anyone else you're looking at in the American League? Um, not really, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, the A's, the A's are really exciting to watch. Um, they have been for the past couple of years. They had their ups, they had their downs, but now, you know, they're sitting at the top of the AL West. Um, it would be cool to see the A's go to the World Series, to be honest with you. I would like to see that. Yeah, I, I think that'd be pretty good for the Bay Area, especially with all these fires going on over there. And the fact that they lost the Raiders. It'd be yeah. kind of cool to see in the same stadium. And again, they won't be playing there because of the new bubble that they're going to be doing for uh, Major League Baseball's playoffs and World Series. They're going to play in a neutral site. So that that's going to be interesting to see how that kind of plays out, where you're not going to have you know the home field advantage with the fans in the playoffs. And that excites me because... Baseball versus other sports, you know, that that momentum, that distraction behind home plate, even though you talk to a pitcher and, and you played, and you talk to a catcher and a batter, and it's, oh, it doesn't bother us. But, um, you know, having been a guy who's seen you play and uh, having snuck behind home plate to, uh, to distract you, 
<laughs> and I believe you, you hit a home run or almost hit a home run right after that. Um, and not distract you in a negative way, but a positive way, if you recall. You remember the moment, right, that I'm talking about? Yeah. I mean, clearly you guys can hear us when you're on the field. Okay? Yeah. But that ain't going to happen this year. And that's what intrigues me the most come postseason baseball. Yeah. No, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, you can hear. Uh, you know, you can hear people play. You can hear people, you know, in the crowd. But at a certain point, it almost becomes, like, so loud that it's silent. That it's just, like, a hum that you hear, and it just kind of zones out. And everything you're focused on is just the pitcher, the ball, and the batter. And, I mean, I that's probably what they're doing right now is they're just zoning themselves out and zoning themselves into playing. Yeah, yeah I can see that. The American League's going to be intriguing. I, I'm really excited to see who comes out of that. Maybe Seattle, who's a game and a half behind Houston, will make sure that the the new evil empire, we'll call them for now, <laughs> won't make the playoffs, and we don't have to worry about this 2020 um, year of, let's just call it uniqueness in a not-so-positive way, that, uh, that, that they'll prevent that from happening because if those guys get in, the Astros get in, I'm telling you, I'm predicting it. They're going to upset some teams. I don't yeah. know if they're going to go to the World Series. I don't know if they're going to, you know, win any more than two series, okay? But they're going to get in the way of somebody that probably could have won in the World Series, and it's really going to make a fan base uh, really upset, even more so, you know, than what they've probably been this year and not being able to see their team be a dominant team. So that, that's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see that. It's going to be fun to see how it plays out in the National League. You know, are there any dark horse teams that maybe you think, you know, we should keep an eye on? Dark horse teams. I mean, are the Padres really considered a dark horse team because no. they're not number one? No. But, I mean, maybe the Braves? I could see making a good run and the NL. And, you know, maybe the Twins. Maybe the Twins shock somebody. You know, I, I was going to say that. that. That's funny that you did, and, and, you know, we're on the same page there. The Twins are currently sitting at the number four seed. And, and I look at the Twins, and I watch the Twins play, and they're only two games back from the White Sox right now, uh, you know, to be the number one seed overall. The Twins are just doing things right right now, you know. I can't say there's anything flashy about them. I can't say that there's anything or anyone that I'm like, wow, that that's the future of baseball. That's who's going to be the ch-. But they're just there doing it right. It's a team sport. And, and they're winning. You know, they're 11 games over 500 right now. Uh, and, and, yeah, I, I completely agree. They could be the team that is that dark horse team. You know, everyone's going to look at the Yankees, of course. The Astros get in. They'll definitely look at the Astros. You know, you'll have the A's. You'll have the Rays being looked at. And, of course, the White Sox, like I said. But the Twins are that team that can kind of quietly do it. I I completely agree with you on that one. Yeah. So, yeah, so baseball is kind of rounding third. We'll talk more about that next week. And I'm excited to to see the playoffs get going on with that. But, uh, But something pretty amazing happened over the last few days here. NFL Week 1 came to a complete uh, conclusion, you know, on yep. Monday night with those two games. The excitement's back, I got to tell you. We uh, we spent a lot of time on Sunday watching a lot of football, and the NFL is king. 
There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. <laughs> National Football League always is doing it right. You may not agree with some of the policies they've put in or the fact that you know some stadiums have people, some stadiums don't. But it's just awesome that we have football back and you know it uh, it was some good football you it know was. a lot of people were nervous we had talked about what is going to happen without a preseason but it was some good football going on this weekend absolutely i think almost every game was close except for the bills and jets but i mean i think every game was close that you're like okay this this is a good game here this is fun to watch i mean obviously the ravens blew out the browns but other than that, I mean, it, everything was really entertaining. It was really enjoyable. There wasn't a game that, you know, you weren't watching that you were like, oh, okay, I'm done with this game. You know, it was really enjoyable. It was good football. Even though it was the first time people were able to actually hit somebody that wasn't a teammate, it was a lot of fun. It was good football, exactly like you said. You know, one of the things that, that, we, that I saw, you know, flipping between the numerous games that were going on on Sunday, and even before that, you know, on Thursday night's game where the defending champions, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, d- defeated the Texans, the rumblings or the concerns people were bringing up were that there would be a lot of penalties because teams hadn't worked together, mm-hmm. and there'd be a lot of missed tackles. I got to tell you, there were some penalties and there were some missed tackles. It's football. But yeah. it wasn't out of the ordinary at all, in my opinion. No, I don't think so either. I think, you know, it, it was clean football. There were, you know, there were, I, I thought, and I'll be honest with you, I thought there was going to be less uh, offsides penalties. And in the Cowboys game, I want to say it was probably in the first possession for the Rams, there was an offsides where the Cowboys uh, defensive lineman jumped offsides. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's, there's no fans. But then I realized, like, well, no, wait, they're probably still listening to the cadence and now they can hear the cadence crystal clear. Yep. So they're hearing the quarterback saying, yelling, hut, hut, and they're jumping. And it's like, you know, oh, well, I heard the cadence, so I, so I went. I, you know, it's instinct because I was just listening for the cadence and trying to zone out everybody, but there's nobody to zone out. And so they hear the cadence and they jump off. And not until like the third or the second or third time that they did it, when I was, I was like, did I realize that? Like, oh, no, it's because they can hear the cadence clearer. That's why they're jumping. In some of the earlier games, they were doing the exact same thing. And you're absolutely right. It was, it was very entertaining because, you know, you could hear everything going on. And from what I understand, that the, the players and the coaches had to be warned not to swear. Uh, to <laughs> use four-letter words because you could hear them when they were set. It was, yeah. it was kind of entertaining. But everyone in the early games was trying that. They were going with the hard count. And... On the first, you're, I think you're you're pretty consistent with what you were saying as to what happened in the Cowboys game. On the first drive or so, guys were jumping. As the quarters transitioned into the second half, it wasn't working as much. I want to say, I believe Kyler Murray did it to uh, maybe even Nick Bosa it was on the 49ers I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a couple others, you know, right off the top of my head. I can't think of them, unfortunately. But I did see a number of people try to do it. I want to say Derek Carr tried, and I think he succeeded in pulling off uh, a few of the the uh, Panthers offsides. Carter Minshew, I believe, did it too to the try. I know Philip Rivers definitely did it. Yep. Okay? I don't recall how many times Jaguars players jumped offsides, but I saw it throughout. 
you know, Carson Wentz, I know, tried it a couple times. I don't recall if it worked in the, against the Redskins, but it probably did. But it was something that, you know, it, you got to try it right away. It's one of those things. And I enjoyed it to see if how many people would do it. Um, you know, I, I, I just thought it was just very entertaining. And it was pretty cool. You know, it was pretty cool to see it work and then not, you know. So you're absolutely right. What else? What else are the big things you, you caught this weekend? The Cardinals beating the Niners. That was huge. I mean, that was the biggest thing for me to see all week. I was checked out after I saw that. <laughs> I believe someone called that the lock of the week, right? And the upset of the week guarantee. Yeah. Um, so we were one for one each with that one. And that was awesome. But, but let's be honest. The biggest surprise of the weekend, uh, the biggest surprise of opening week, had to be the Jaguars, right? Absolutely. You know, even though they were at home, they still upset the Colts. No one expected that to happen. No. I I mean, I know I didn't. I think last week we were talking about how the Jags clearly are going for the number one pick and that they're just selling the team and getting rid of people and just going into a rebuild. And, you know, looking at the way that they showed up on Sunday, it didn't look like they were going into a rebuild year. Oh, I completely agree with you. That team was definitely motivated to play. You know, I don't think, you know, I, I predicted the Colts being a playoff team. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I still thought they were a playoff team. Unfortunately, they lost Marlon Mack to the season. Uh, but, you know, Taylor will come in, Hines will come in. And, and I believe they're, they're looking to sign a couple other guys that they haven't already who can come in and help with that running game for Phillip Rivers. But as I watch that game, and I caught myself watching a lot more of it as it, as it got closer and closer to the end of it. And I'm thinking, is this really going to happen? Is this guy, Gardner Minshew, going to pull off this upset? And it had to be an upset. So like I said, no one was thinking Jacksonville would win outside of Jacksonville. And the owners of Jacksonville and the players <laughs> in Jacksonville. You know, no one would have put money on that. And if they did, wow, I'm impressed. You know, let's talk. But... Uh, <laughs> It was just so much fun to watch these guys rally. That quarterback, Gardner Minshew, man, not, his look is awesome. He looks like an 80s <laughs> rock star. Like how he's Uncle not, Rico. Right, he is Uncle Rico. <laughs> how he's not featured in Stranger Things, you know, at least in some kind of cameo, <laughs> walking around, doesn't make sense to me because he fits in there. He definitely fits in the Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> sequel. The kid is just awesome, man. You can tell he's having fun. His teammates are behind him, and he makes plays. Yeah. The guy is making plays, and I'm pulling for him. Man, he, he might, you know, this weekend, he might have jumped into my, you know, top three or four favorite players to watch. And when I say favorite players, I'm not saying they're the best players in the NFL. But the guy is definitely someone that I think is fun to watch. He gets results, you know, when he's on. He's not perfect. There's, there's nothing perfect about the guy. You know, you don't watch him and you say, this is what I want the type of quarterback to be when I create a quarterback from scratch. But, man, the kid is fun to watch. And those guys responded. So I'm going to say that was definitely the biggest surprise for me. Absolutely. Uh, are there any other surprises that you caught over the weekend? I'd have to say Washington. I did not expect at all Washington football team to beat the Eagles 27-17. 
I did not see that coming. And uh, I'm with you because I want to say I, I definitely went on record saying they would have the one of the worst, if not the worst record in the NFL. And guess what? They're the only undefeated team in the NFC East until this weekend. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're a young team. Ron, uh, is Ron Rivera is the coach now, right? Yes. So, I mean, I'm a big fan of Ron Rivera. You know, obviously I didn't like him when he was with the Panthers just because, you know, the Panthers constantly beating the Cardinals. But the guy's a good coach, man. And obviously you can see that his players rallied around him and, and helped him, and, and the players really made that game happen for him. So it's exciting to see. However, I don't think I'm completely bought in on him. I still think they have a long way to go. I think that was a big upset. I don't think that was something to, you know, that they're going to keep consistently doing throughout the season. You know, we might look back and have this conversation at the end of the season and be like, man, remember when Washington beat the Eagles and then that ended up being the only win? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, I watched a lot of the beginning of that game. And and I sent messages out to you and a few other people that we, we communicate with to discuss football. And in that context, I want to say if we were to go back and look at the messages that, you know, the conversations we were having in that morning half, you know, the first half, I want to say I was convinced that the Redskins was the worst team I had seen going on in the entire NFL of all the games I watched. I made I sure think I we watched, all were. you know, probably 5 to 10 to 15 minutes, uh, you know, at least, in, you know, in the, in the real minutes, not football minutes in each quarter of each game. So I was flipping around, you know, using that Sunday ticket as much as I could, looking at the offenses for each team, looking at a defensive series for each team, just taking notes as to what I was seeing. And in that first half, the Eagles looked like they pretty much had the game, you know, won. There was yeah. nothing there that I was seeing that brought hope to a possible Redskin rally. And I think you and I were joking about how bad the Redskins would be. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, like, man, this team looks terrible. They can't run the ball. Why would they get rid of Adrian Peterson? And then literally, you know, a few hundred miles or a thousand miles away, Adrian Peterson was lighting it up for the Lions. So <laughs> these guys looked even dumber in the first half for letting him go. And then something happened. The Eagles just kind of took their foot off the accelerator. And rather than, okay, let's blow these guys out. Let's, you know, let's score 50 points if we can. It just kind of got lazy and stagnant. And every time I'd look over, I'm like, the Redskins scored again. <laughs> the Redskins yeah. scored again. What's going on? So, yeah, so you know, Riverboat Ron did it. Whatever that speech was at halftime, you know, maybe the glare he gave the Eagles. The big question I have is what does this mean about the Eagles? Are, are the Eagles, you know, again going to be that um, – Glass team looks really shiny, really pretty from a distance, but you put a little bit of resistance against it, and they just shatter. So that looks mm -hmm. like what happened on Sunday. Yeah, I don't know. And and to your point, to go back a little bit, it wasn't Ron Rivera's halftime speech. That was Dwayne Haskins' halftime speech, because Ron Rivera was getting an IV. Good point. You're to, absolutely to keep right. going in the half. So it was like I said, the players really rallied around Ron. You're absolutely right. I, I, I do remember seeing that. You're absolutely right. I totally forgot that. It was crazy, man. It was it was amazing to watch. Um, the emotion after it. I watched the, the post-game celebration and the emotion after they given Ron the game ball. 
it was definitely something where it felt this is special. I'm glad it happened. Um, hopefully, it doesn't happen this week. No, nope. but no. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad it happened. You know, an- another surprise that I got, and I'll go back because you know the Adrian Peterson thing. I made the joke about hey, Adrian Peterson for everyone in fantasy is going to have one or two huge games that no one's going to expect. He had a pretty good game this past weekend. Yeah. Okay, that might be one of them. Uh, he didn't quite get 100 yards, but he got pretty close. You know, mm-hmm. he did really well. His you know carries were awesome. He looked like the the Adrian Peterson you think of when you close your eyes and think, oh, what did Adrian Peterson's runs look like? That's what we saw. Okay, he looked really good for the times he was on the field, and that was the first half again, where I think I I believe you know you and I were talking about it as well. I said, well, if the Redskins are the worst team, the second worst team in the NFL is the Bears. Yeah. Because they looked atrocious in that first half against the Lions. Yeah, I mean, that was another one where I was like, all right, Lions got this in the bag. And then I look back at it, and I'm like, hey. And I think I was actually talking to you during the game, and I said, hey, uh, the the Bears just won. (laughs) Yes. So, I mean, uh, you know, it, it was one of those games where you're watching and you're like, all right, Lions got this in the bag. And then, you know, obviously you look at the end and you're like, well, okay, well, wait, the the Bears won. Let me go back. I need to rewind it because I need to see what just happened. Exactly, exactly. It was pretty awesome. I did actually watch the second half of that game on a replay uh, today, in fact. And, and to watch that rally, it was, you know, Mitch Trubisky, you watch him, and there, are, you know, if that first half, I was convinced this kid's not an NFL quarterback. Like, it didn't make sense. But then I kind of went into it today when I was watching a little bit more, and, and I think the play calling hurts him a lot. I think Coach Nagy's not putting him in a place to be as successful as he can be. He did make some throws that I was looking at. I was like, wow. You know, this is the guy that, you know, went high in the draft ahead of Patrick Mahomes because of this ability. He made some runs in the second half where he kind of looked really good. And all of a sudden, you know, in the second half, I'm watching him. I'm like, you know, this is the Mitch Trubisky that, you know, I had talked about a couple years ago being, oh, if he has a breakout year, this could be the next big thing. He hasn't become that. But he's got his moments where he is really, really a lot like Gardner Minshew. He's got his moments where you're like, man, this guy's fun to watch. Yeah. Okay? And the Bears pulled it off. So. I don't expect him to go uh, undefeated, of course. I don't know how it's going to go this weekend. Um, I don't know if they'll win this weekend. But I think they'll win more games than what I expected them to win if they can play with that intensity they had in the second half. On the flip side, maybe the Lions just are the Lions. You know, they had a huge lead last year against the Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray's debut. That game was absolutely atrocious in the first half for the Cardinals. I remember watching that with you, I think, right next to you. And, you know, we were thinking, man, the Lions might be really good. Second half, the Lions look horrible. And the game ends up being a tie. Yeah. So that's two seasons in a row. They they walked in at halftime with the lead, and they walk out of the game without a win. So that might be on, you know, Matt Patricia's head. We'll see how much longer he lasts in Detroit. Not that there's that much in Detroit to say, okay, these guys are going to be, you know, a playoff team. Because they're not. Because, you know, the Packers looked amazing. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they, they did. They were just ridiculously on fire. You know, you had picked the Saints last week, and the Saints did what they needed to do. You know? Yeah. They uh, they they hurt, put the hurt to Tom Brady and Bruce <laughs> Arians. 
You know, they're number one in their division, of course. Um, you know, uh, we're going to talk about the Saints matchup a little later on. And the Seahawks did the same thing. They put the hurt to the Falcons. Yeah. And the Cardinals, you know, with the great win against the 49ers. Yeah. You know, the Ravens did what they did. You know, the Steelers, you know, we expected them to win. Uh, the Chargers, you know, that, that was expected to be a victory just because of who they were playing. You know, rookie quarterback in his in debut. The Titans, they won. And, yeah, they were my number two team to make the Super Bowl this year. They did not look like a Super Bowl team. Not at all. You know, Steven Goskowski uh, had a really, really bad, you know, what do we call it? Three quarters <laughs> and 13 minutes, uh, you know, 14 minutes and, you know, 43 seconds or whatever it was. Yeah, pretty much. You could have just said the whole game except for his <laughs> last kick. Exactly. <laughs> it was just, yeah, I felt so bad for the guy. <laughs> you know, I did too. I mean, there was a part in the game where I think he had missed, it was, it was his fourth miss where they show him and he's on the sideline sitting down on the bench by himself and he's taking his shoes mm -hmm. and socks off. And I'm like, holy cow, this guy is just like, well, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. I'm a free agent. Like, I'm a free agent. Right now. Yeah. I'm like, wow, he's turning in his cleats. He's turning in his socks, turning in his jersey, and the game's not even over yet. <laughs> I'm like, wow, he's just calling it. He's like, look, guys, I I'm out. I'm just. You guys are going to have to figure this out on your own. You guys are going to have to pick up a backup kicker or just use somebody on the sideline to kick the next field goal because nope. you're going to have to go for two. But, you know, that, that shows his professionalism. That shows his... You know, his, his will to win still, to be able to come back. And I think the coolest thing about it, though, was his team. When he made that winning kick, his whole team, the whole line, everybody, slapping him on the helmet, cheering with him, celebrating with him. Like, hey, dude, don't worry about what you did earlier. You did what you needed to do right now, and we won this game because of you. You know, I'm, I'm going to continue on with your story because I heard this morning – uh, or last yesterday morning, in fact, why he was taking his shoes off. And he said that after he missed that last kick, he remembered that all summer while he was practicing kicking, he kicked with no socks on. <laughs> so he took his socks off so that the shoe could fill, you know, uh, he could feel it against his foot better. Uh -huh. And then he made the kick. Wow. Yeah, so that's what that's what we were watching. We didn't know that. We thought he was just packing his stuff up, getting ready to go to his next yeah. stop. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I thought he was turning tur turning it all in right there. Exactly, exactly. So you know, Patriots big win, Bills big win, Titans Jaguars big win. You know, we're heading into Week Two right now, and it's gonna be fun. You know, it, it's just gonna be fun. Um, we got some big games we want to talk about right now. Uh, so so let's kind of get into that. Is that cool? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So we have a Thursday night game, less than 24 hours from now, that unless you live in the state of Ohio, you probably don't <laughs> care too much about. <laughs> and it's the Battle of Ohio. The Cincinnati Bengals at the Cleveland Browns, and they announced a little while ago that 6,000 fans would be there for Cleveland. Okay. So I guess, you know, they're inviting the entire season ticket holder base. 
Um, and they're all going to show up, supposedly, uh, against the game that, um, like I said, no one cares about outside of Ohio, I'm saying. What are your thoughts on this game? I mean, I, I don't even know. I don't have a dog in the race. I just, I mean, it's the Bengals and the Browns. Browns scored six points last week. I mean, are they going to be able to do better? Are they going to score six points again? I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say just because it's the Bengals and they have a rookie quarterback that the Bengals are going to beat the Browns, and that's going to be the upset. <laughs> so that's your pick. You're picking the Bengals over the Browns. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna pick the Bengals over the Browns. I think I don't think it's gonna be. I don't think it should be considered an upset. But the fact that you have Odell Beckham on one side of the field, and you have the quarterback who was drafted number one, Baker Mayfield, on the other side of the field against this year, this previous drafts number one quarterback, just have one game under his belt, which. He brought this team all the way down, and had the kicker made the kick, they probably would have went to overtime and could have potentially won the game. So I don't see how it would be an upset. But I'm going to take the Browns losing to the Bengals as the upset of the week. Okay. Okay. Um, You know, uh, I think it's always a safe pick to pick the Browns to lose. (laughs) So I don't know how much courage you (laughs) have to make that pick. You know, anyone that's watched football uh, ever um, prior to color television probably, you know, would disagree with me. But if you've seen color TV, you probably know that the Browns aren't very good. And, yeah, you know, we said, you said Odell Beckham. That's cool that he's over there. Remember when he used to make those one-handed catches? He can't catch anything in a game anymore. <laughs> okay? Because he obviously can't run a route to get open and uh, his quarterback can't find him. And when he throws in the ball, it hits his chest. So, yeah, it was real cool watching him make those one-handed catches and, you know, seeing all these kids out there trying to emulate that. But maybe people should be trying to teach him how to catch with two hands. Yeah, definitely. To secure the ball and make a play. You know, there's rumors that they're supposedly shopping him around. And hopefully, you know, something like that happens in the next week or so. That will give us some good fodder to talk about. But, but okay, you know, that's your pick of the week for the uh, Thursday game. So... On Monday, we have the Saints against the Raiders. And that is probably one of the sexier games of the season, I would say, especially for a Monday night game. Oh, yeah, 100%. First game in in Las Vegas, you get the Saints against the Raiders. Oh, it's going to be so much fun to watch. Yeah, it's the Raiders look good. The Raiders look good against... Let me rephrase that. The Raiders looked entertaining against the Carolina Panthers last week. And, and that was the game that I watched the most of in that early half or in that time slot uh, because that was a fun game to watch. It was just so much fun. Both teams were scoring. Christian McCaffrey looking awesome. Josh Jacobs looking awesome. Teddy Bridgewater did a good job. Might need some receiving help there to have an actual season that's going to mean anything. And Derek Carr looked good. You know, yeah. tight end looked amazing. Henry Ruggs, a receiver, was into it. It was just a fun game to watch. And I'm thinking the Raiders are probably going to make this a fun game to watch. I hope so. I hope so, especially, you know, having it be the first game in Las Vegas, like I said earlier. I, I really hope that it's a competitive game. 
you know, the Raiders were exactly what you said, really fun to watch last week or this past Sunday. And I hope they keep that intensity up, and I hope it is a very good game. And I would love, love, love to see it come down to the wire to somebody kicking a game-winning field goal to win this game. Who do you think is going to win? Who's your pick? Oh, man. I'm going to go... You know what? I'm going to go with the Raiders just because I know the wide receiver for the Saints Michael Thomas. is out with a high ankle sprain. That he hurt on one of the last plays of the game while they're trying to kill the clock. Yeah, or some could consider it running up the score. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, ironic, right? Yeah I, yeah. I thought it was, you know, and I haven't heard too many people giving the coach any grief about this. It's like, why is your best player, even second best player on the field, in there doing that when you're trying just to end the game? I, I, I don't get it. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I want to say that it was Kamara that rolled up on his ankle. He did. He right? Did. So it's like, why do you have those guys in there if you're just trying to clear the clock? Because you know if you go for it on fourth down, they're going to be pinned back at like the five-yard line. Even maybe the three yard line, and so they're going to go have to go the whole length of the field, and I don't. I want to say there was only like twenty seconds left in the game, or even less than that. So what's the point of them being in there? I I just didn't get it. I, it didn't make sense to me. I saw that happen live. Uh, I was I was just flabbergasted as to what's going on. It did feel like they were trying to run up the score. To me, it absolutely felt like that. Like they were trying to set a, a more of a point that they're the dominant force in the NFC. And yeah, I picked them to be in the Super Bowl, and a lot of people are, and they probably will be. But it did feel like a moment of karma where, you know, the coach got slapped in the face. And again, I haven't heard anyone criticizing him for this. If it's going on out there, it's not going on loud enough. But I, I will say that that was something that as a, as a coach, I think you have to be more cognizant of, especially if you're trying to run it up. But Put Hill back there. Let him run it. Okay? Yeah. Put someone else back there. Put Jameis Winston in. Let him do it. Don't have your go-to guys out there and have that happen while he's blocking for him. You know, and you got to give the receiver credit. You know, I love receivers blocking. You know, you see it all the time. More and more so now. And that's kind of shows you how tough these guys are getting. But you just look at it at the time of the game. Had it happened in the first quarter, it happens. That's football. You're right. It happened. That's football. But did he need to be out there while you're running up the score? The answer is no. I don't think so. The answer is no. So I'm going to agree with you. I think the Raiders are going to pull the upset off this week. I think they're going to be the home team. They're going to go up against a team that's probably going to be, you know, if not absolutely the uh, NFC representative in the Super Bowl, they're going to be in the conversation towards the end of the year, okay? Unless there's more moves made like that. But, uh... Yeah, I'm going to pick the Raiders with you. I think the Raiders are going to be the upset of the week in that game. That's my upset of the week, is the Raiders upsetting the New Orleans Saints. Okay, okay. Okay. Sunday night, we got the Patriots going to Seattle. It feels like a really, really sexy game on paper. Mm -hmm. But I think what makes the paper sexy is you're thinking about it from the past. Like, ooh, what if this was Tom Brady going in to take on Russell Wilson? Right. Oh, last time there was the big Gronk situation where there was no pass interference called. Oh, none of those guys are there anymore. Yeah. You know, they even showed the preview, 
uh, I want to say on Monday night, they showed the preview of Sunday night's game, and it was the Patriots against the Seahawks, but all the highlights were Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski against the Seahawks. Not one of the sh- like segments or anything like that showed Cam Newton. And right. I think that's what people are getting caught up in is they're thinking, oh, this is still Tom Brady and the Patriots and Rob Gronkowski and the Patriots and Julian Edelman and the Patriots, that Patriots team against the Seahawks. But it's not. You're right, 100%. You're, this is a completely different game. This is Cam Newton and the Patriots against Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. So do you think that uh, Cam Newton can go into Seattle and upset the home team in the Seattle Seahawks? If there's fans in the stadium, absolutely not. But guess what? There's no fans in the stadium. Right. So I think they could beat them. The 12th man is just going to be a flag out there. Yep. There, so you, there's no 12th man anymore. So are you predicting the upset then? I mean, would that really be considered? Ah, yeah, that it would be considered absolutely. an upset. I see. <laughs> I see. I see your point. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think I would see the Patriots beating the Seahawks. And, yeah, I think that would be an upset. So is that your prediction, the upset? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go – I'm going to call Seattle my lock of the week there. Oh, okay. I, I don't see Seattle losing this game in any shape or form. I think Russell Wilson's just too much on a on a positive streak. The guy's looking amazing. You know, he looked great against the Falcons. It was just – I think there's too much offensive firepower that's going to be throwing at the Patriots, you know. The Miami Dolphins are not Seattle Seahawks. So I think that's going to be the luck. But I, I understand that if, if I'm wrong, a week from now when we're talking about it, you know, I get, I'm going to understand why type situation. Is there any other game this week that you're going to say, uh, this is definitely going to be the upset or this is definitely going to be a lock? Uh, no, I think I'm, I'm going to stick with the Bengals beating the Browns as my upset. <laughs> and as my lock... Outside of these games, I'm going to take the Bills over the Dolphins. Okay. So my lock again will be the Seahawks. My upset of the week, you know, will be the Raiders. But I'm going to pick another one here. Okay. I'm going to say my second upset of the week is going to be the Atlanta Falcons going to Jerry's World and defeating the Dallas Cowboys. Yep. Dropping them to 0 and 2. Because I get a feeling there's going to be another Mike McCarthy moment where, yeah, you could tie the game, but let me go for the win and get the loss type situation. <laughs> Who you plays know, for me, ties let, anymore? Exactly. Let me send my Wookiee receiver on a two yard route when we need four. Okay. Wait, you can kick a field goal and tie the game? <laughs> Is that what these kickers are for? I didn't know that. <laughs> I thought it was just for punts and kickoffs. <laughs> Yeah, I, I heard a rumor that maybe he wrote a letter to a Mike Vrabel and asked what that guy was doing so much um, <laughs> before he took off his shoe. So, uh, so maybe, you know, maybe that's a situation that we run into. I don't know, but uh, I, I did take a lot of pleasure watching those Cowboys suffer. Yeah, same here. Because they should have won that game. The Rams are not that good. Like no. I, can't, I said it through the whole thing. I'm like, this Rams defense is not this dominant, guys. What are you doing? You should be hitting the holes there. You should be passing the ball in those holes, those windows. Dak Prescott can get it there. Oh, these receivers were supposed to be the greatest receiving core put together. Eh. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what what happened there. Yeah, you know, people getting excited because the rookie wears Michael Irvin's number, so he's got to be Mike Michael Irvin, right? You know, and Des Bryant two point oh. No, <laughs> nope, no, he, he's pretty good. He did really good. You know, I was impressed by him. Um, evidently, he's the only receiver that they go to because I guess uh, you know Amari Cooper isn't a guy you go to in that situation, right? Um, and in the end, let's be honest. You know, the Michael Gallup. Uh, pass interference offensively might have turned that into a different ending. Yeah. But Jalen Ramsey, you know, he was pushed off. Mm-hmm. But, man, that guy sold it. In in, the, in a town known for making movies, that guy did one heck of an acting job, and he needs to get himself an Oscar and Emmy for that performance. Absolutely. Because <laughs> that push did not affect him that much. And the referee bought it, and there's no you know, going back on it. So that was pretty entertaining for me to see. But, yeah, that's my lock of the week for an upset. It's going to be the Falcons are going to go into Jerry's world, and they're going to upset the Dallas Cowboys. They're going to bring the Cowboys down to 0-2. Cool. Yeah, so a lot of football. I'm excited. You know, we get it kicked off with that really exciting game, Battle for Ohio tomorrow, that you're picking the Bengals. But before we end the show, we're going to spend a few minutes talking about some wrestling. Okay. Alrighty, and it's been a uh, pretty interesting day, I would call, and a definitely an interesting week. Um, you know, since things kind of went on for the last time we talked. NXT, I think the big announcement in NXT was the day that uh, Stu Bennett's going to stick with them as Wade Barrett for a while. Is there anything else you know we need to be aware of that was exciting? <sighs> I mean, for me, that was really exciting. I knew they had brought him in kind of just as a trial. But, I mean, I think it was just inevitable that he was going to come in and stay. I mean, I like the guy. I like Wade Barrett. I wish they would have had the championship run that he should have had. Oh, I agree. And, you know, I think they missed the mark on him. I think he was a, a great performer. I loved watching him. You know, I'm afraid I got some bad news. Loved it. Um, but, no, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I, I'm glad he's back. I'm glad he's with NXT. Um, you know, he's like that, uh, he gives you that, like, Samoa Joe on the announce table. You know, we have that in NXT now. You have somebody who's yeah. been in the grind doing it, and, and it's enjoyable, and you like hearing him talk because he, because they talk differently. You know, you have the announcers like, you, you know, your Michael Coles, your Jim Ross, your Jerry the King Lawlers, you know, those guys that sell it really well. But then when you hear a wrestler call a match, it's just something so different. It's like, you know, they've been there before. They know the moves. They call it like it is. They say, oh, look for this. Oh, watch this. Oh, he should do this. And it's like, it, it's it's just instrumental. And it's just awesome to hear. And it's just really enjoyable. So I'm glad he's back. And I'm glad he's doing NXT. And I hope he stays for a while. Yeah, he's pretty cool. I, I enjoy him quite a bit. I thought he was really good in NWA. Uh, you know, I was kind of you know, disappointed to see him have to leave NWA. But I get it. You know, NXT is going to give him the money. Go take the money, man. Yeah. You know, I would like to see him wrestle if he ever does decide to do it again or can. Hopefully he does get that title push. You know, I I you know think it'd be kind of cool to see him maybe step into the ring and if he's going to wrestle in NXT, see if he could take on. Uh, not necessarily an Adam Cole, but I'd like to see him go one-on-one against Finn Balor for sure. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. So last night Nick Halls did defend his title, the NWA title, and defeated Mike Bennett. No real surprise there. Yeah, um, it looks like that's going to be a series that keeps going on. 
There is a little rumor that's coming out of there, but I think it might be fan-generated, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But let's kind of turn our attention quickly to AEW. Dynamite just ended, and i got to tell you, uh, for a show that I didn't expect a whole lot out of, it was pretty entertaining. Um, I think the highlight for me, and, and i got to tell you, it is always a highlight for me, and I don't know why. Maybe it's just a guilty pleasure. Is hearing the crowd sing Judas. <laughs> you know, they did it again today, and it was really, really entertaining. Uh, but the highlight, that, uh, besides that, I would say, the highlight for me in the ring, and the segment itself wasn't great, but I like what it's building up to, is Lance Archer having to name uh, a partner, two partners to take on Moxley in a three-man versus three-man match. And he names Brian Cage, and he names Ricky Starks as they make a deal with Taz. And the deal is that if Lance Archer, you know, if these guys have his back in this three-on-three match, that then Lance Archer wins the title, you know, on October 14th against Moxley in the one-year anniversary celebration of Dynamite, then the first opponent Archer has to defend the title against is Brian Cage. I don't know if he's going to defeat Moxley, but if he did, I want to see Brian Cage versus Lance Archer for the title soon after that. I think that would be pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, the segment, you know, the way we get introduced that these guys, you know, are going to be his partners was kind of cool with Taz. But then they show up and they jump Moxley. And out of nowhere, Will Hobbs comes out. <laughs> and, and Will Hobbs is a big man. And Will Hobbs, I think, has the look to be a potential. And I know uh, AEW doesn't like calling them, but a potentially solid mid-card guy. You know, I don't see him being an, a, a championship guy, you know, top-of-the-line main eventer. But I think he'd be a really good mid-card guy. And they're, you know, representing him like he's this big bad dude. And the segment kind of goes weird for me. Because Moxley gets put through what looks like a wooden box or table or crate. Mm-hmm. And he's knocked out, right? And he's just absolutely knocked out. And then Big Will Hobbs runs up the stairs, and he's lumbering. This poor guy lumbers all the way up from Section Double Zero all the way up to Section 42 or whatever it is. And if you've ever done that in a baseball stadium or football stadium, you know dang well how hard it is. <laughs> and the poor guy finally gets up there. He's winded, and he's you know trying to beat these guys off. And he does. He beats off Ricky Starks. You know, I didn't mean it like that. Um, he beats, <laughs> beats up Ricky Starks, and he beats up... Uh, you know, Brian Cage. <laughs> Hanging but, out with uh, the Jake the Snake, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then Moxie pops right up and he cuts a promo. And I'm sitting there thinking, didn't you just get put through a crate and supposed to be knocked out, man? But yeah. uh, I guess he no-sold it. And then they go on and he says Darby Allen's going to be his opponent, you know, his third partner and the opponent of Ricky Starks, Cage, and Lance Archer. So I thought that was kind of a cool moment. The rest of the show had its ups and downs. But to stick to the Will Hobbs thing, I'm going to make sure that I'm not misremembering this, but I'm pretty certain I'm not. Uh, I believe Will Hobbs actually lost a match on Dynamite Okay. to Marco Stunt. You know, you mentioned this like a few days back. And I, I almost want to say you mentioned it either the last show or the show before. And I can't remember it to save my life. 
what I'm thinking. Am I getting it confused? Did he lose to somebody else? And I, I'm, yeah, maybe it's gone. You know, I, I don't know if it would be so smart to keep that thing online if that happened. But I want to say it happened on a dark episode. But I could be getting it confused. Okay, I know we lost to Orange Cassidy in a really, really short match. I mean, the match I think was like three minutes and thirty seconds or something like that. But and he absolutely did. That's exactly what it was. It was actually on the July 7th version of it. The AEW Dark. He loses a really quick match to Orange Cassidy. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, this guy that's supposed to be this big bad guy coming in to protect John Moxley, the world champion, against big bad Brian Cage, you know, Ricky Starks, and Lance Archer. Is the same guy that got beat up by uh, Orange Cassidy before I mean, the Jericho arc? <laughs> but, I mean, how many times does that actually happen in wrestling, though? You have somebody get beat up, and you don't think about it then, and then you look at them now, and you're like, wait, that was the guy who did this, but now he's supposed to be this big bad guy? I mean, you can go and you can look at Braun Strowman when he was a rosebud. And he went from a rosebud to a member of the Wyatt family as the black sheep. So, I mean, they do it all the time. So, I mean, I don't think it's going to hurt him too bad. Yeah, he absolutely squashes him. In the time you were talking, I've watched the whole match. <laughs> okay? He hits him with a Superman punch and puts him out. Uh, the entire segment is literally, uh, it's at, it's, the match is over by 2 minutes and 32 seconds. But it doesn't actually start until about... Two minutes and 18 seconds. So it's less than 20 seconds um, that it takes for Orange Cassidy to knock him out. And I'm watching this, and you're right, man. You know, you have those moments where, you know, the jobber becomes the face, the developmental talent becomes, you know, this big heel later on. I just think it's too soon. I mean, it's been two months since that happened. And I'm supposed to forget about the fact that this guy couldn't beat a guy with his hands in his pockets because he jumped in the air and slapped him. And now he's the big bad, you know, support for John Moxley. Um, I'm a little iffy on this one, AEW, but you know, what kind but of But you're also on? not a fan of Orange Cassidy. I'm not at all. So, so, so I mean that right. could, that could be the reason why you're looking at it like, okay, hold on. <laughs> I don't like Orange Cassidy, and this Orange Cassidy beat this guy. So how is he supposed to be a big bad guy? Exactly. Exactly. So I mean, I get it. I see what you're saying. So yeah, so it's it, it was not you know the best segment. It was the most entertaining in my opinion. Um, there were there was a couple good matches that you know they were good. It, it wasn't a terrible show by any means. Nothing major happened with the exception of that to lead up to what's going on. Uh, you know, uh, they're gonna have a title defense next week for Orange Cassidy's gonna get the TNT title championship shot against you know Brody Lee, and hopefully Brody destroys him in a short time period. Because if that match goes longer than three minutes again, now you're doing injustice to Brody Lee again. And he might as well just call himself, you know, Luke Harper. <laughs> but uh, we'll kind of transition over to the WWE. Because the WWE, you know, we've both been watching it. We've both admitted it's not the greatest product at all. Although wrestling, I think, is really doing a good job entertaining us. And maybe just the expectation's been lowered so much that... You know, I'm accepting this as entertainment. They're doing something right now that I gotta tell you I like. 
and that's the Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso arc. Yeah, I do too. I mean, it's really enjoyable. You got the, you know, is is he he's a heel, but is he really gonna turn on his family? You know, his family's giving him a chance. You know, it's the first time one of the Usos has a chance at a singles title, and it's the it's the universal title against you know the big cousin, the big dog. But it's like, you know, Roman, his character is like, he's a heel. And, you know, Jay's obviously a face. And, you know, he's questioning everything he's doing. Like, hey, man, are you doing the right thing? Are you doing the right thing? Are you doing the right thing? And Roman's just like, you know, hey, I, I got it. Don't worry. I got it taken care of. And so, I mean, it's leading towards what I want to see is I want to see Roman beat him and Roman kind of turn him heel to where jay joins roman and turns heel with him that's what i would like to see and, and that might happen but there's a rumor out there a big rumor bigger than the other rumor that i was going to talk about i'm not going to talk about that now i'll save that till next week but wwe wise there's a bigger rumor as to why he's fighting one cousin and the rumor is that he's going to hurt this one cousin so much at clash of champions they're going to have that cousin be written off. And another cousin's going to come back and fight for him at WrestleMania against the big dog. I'm talking about Cousin Dwayne <laughs> is the rumor. Yeah. I mean, for me, that would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be great to see. I think you have an opportunity where you just have Roman squash Jay. And you have Roman cut a promo with Paul talking about how out of all the dynasty that he's had, out of all the legendary Samoan wrestlers that have come through, Roman is the best one to ever grace his presence onto the WWE. Have him be that heel. Have him just say, you know, I'm better than everybody. I'm better than everybody in my family. And then you get the Rock's music hit and say, well, hold on, kid. You're not better than me. <laughs> Can you do that in an empty arena? Um, you know, I think it'd be tough, but I think you can. Would he even agree to that? Let's be real. This guy's like the busiest person on the planet. You know, he, he makes money hand over fist while he's breathing. If he does do it, you think he would do it in an empty arena? I mean, it'd be hard to say, man. I mean, you know, it. Obviously, you know, you, you got to think about it. You're right. Is, is Dwayne really going to want to do this in an empty arena? I think the only way he does it in an empty arena is if he does the comeback in an empty arena. And he does the match with people in the arena. Absolutely. I, I think that's the only way he agrees to it. Because you can have him come in with an empty arena or in the Thunderdome. You know, where you actually have people watching it and seeing it. You know, yeah, it's just faces. It's not real people. I mean, it's real people, but, you know, physical people in, in there. So you can have him do that. You can have the reaction. You know, obviously, it's going to blow up the Internet. So they're going to have that aspect. They're going to have the buildup. And, I mean, they could even push it out. I mean, hopefully not, but I mean, they can try to push it out a couple years if they need to. If this WrestleMania, they say, you know what, the next WrestleMania, we can't have fans either, but we can have fans the next WrestleMania, you know. I mean, obviously, you want to have it this next coming up, WrestleMania. So I think he, he that's how he signs up. He says, you know what? Yeah, I'll do it with no fans as long as you can promise me WrestleMania is going to have fans. 
Yeah, and, and I got to tell you, man, A, I love the bad Roman Reigns. I like the heel Roman Reigns so much more than any other Roman Reigns that's ever done before. I like Paul Heyman being in there. I love the Fiend making fun of him, the walrus. <laughs> the, you know, the walrus little puppet. I think it's funny. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be an awesome, awesome buildup. If it takes a year, if it takes two years to build up that, okay, you've already beaten up everyone in your family. I guess he'd have to beat up Nia Jax too, right? But yeah. everyone in your family has gotten beat up by you, and you're the best in your family. There's one more guy out there, one more cousin out there. Let him go up against Dwayne. But my question to you now is they let The Rock come back and beat Cena, and the next year they let Cena beat The Rock. Mm-hmm. Okay. They let The Rock take the title off of CM Punk. Yeah, Can I was you there. Really? You were there. Can you really there. let The Rock beat Roman Reigns without ruining Roman Reigns' character? I mean, that's tough to say. I, I don't think it would ruin Roman's character because I think the fans like just love to hate him so much that if The Rock comes back and The Rock beats him, they're gonna do the same. They're gonna have the same reaction as if Roman wins, so it's not really gonna hurt him any. I think you know if you can push it to WrestleManias and extend it like you did with Cena, where you have The Rock go over one time, and then the next year you have Cena go over the next time, but this time you have Roman go over. You know I could totally see that happening. If it's a one-off though, I don't think you bring The Rock back to just one-off beat Roman and say you know I'm the best and then leave. I don't think you can either. I, I agree with you. I don't think you can let him beat The Rock, you know, or, or I don't think you can let The Rock beat him because you let him beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is if he's already beaten The Undertaker at WrestleMania, you can't let The Rock come in because then it diminishes that victory against The Undertaker, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Because even though, you know, these are two separate stories – Two separate Roman Reigns, as we're talking about. When you look at it from the big picture of, well, this is who he is, I think to continue building him up as that, you know, this is your new Hulk Hogan, this is your new, you know, HBK, this is your new, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, to an extent, you know, with all those guys. He's the face, he's the new John Cena, he's, he's the Roman Reigns, he's the Hill version. I can't see you letting him lose to The Rock. Period. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. I think that that's what we need to see a WWE character that finally breaks out of all these, you know, B-plus players. And they may be A-plus talents, but, you know, there's no real character that you're like, oh, that's it. Um, Aside from The Fiend. You know, I'm a big Fiend fan. But you have that, that's it. That's all you need. You have him beat The Rock, and now you can say, okay, no one can say or touch him until he retires. Somebody needs to come up, someone that's a 20-something or less right now, 18-year-old, who's working. you got 10 years to be the next Roman Reigns. Dominic Mysterio. I sure hope it's not. <laughs> that, you know, man, I was going to end this thing on a high arc with the WWE. Now you're going to bring that up, so... <laughs> This, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I sorry. I hate that storyline. <laughs> now the daughter's going to be messing around with Buddy Murphy? Come on. <laughs> I, don't know how, I don't know how Alexa Bliss is going to feel about that. Oh, my gosh, you know. <laughs> you got that stupid art. It's, it's just 
crazy. It's craziness that that's going on. I guess the wife will probably start messing with Braun Strowman on the or Bobby Lashley, right? Because he gets all the ladies, right? <laughs> Bobby Lashley will be destroying that in front of Ray pretty soon. And man, that's stupid. I hate that story arc. You know, I wish I could say, yeah, it's so awesome. We're gonna see Dominic Mysterio, you know, his career start and blossom and. It's the most boring thing on TV. I tried. I tried. I tried. I tried. You had that with the fact that Keith Lee's going nowhere, but hopefully back to NXT soon. That experiment's not working. Keith Lee, in my opinion, is not a main eventer on Raw. You know, the outfits they're giving him makes him look horrible. Yeah. He doesn't look intimidating. He doesn't look scary. And I can't even take him serious. I don't know if anybody can. Yeah. Okay. I think... I think you asked me the other day if it was a creator wrestler outfit. Yeah, what it looked like. Yeah. But, no, I, I think you're right. You know, To go back to your point of what you were saying about Roman and, and beating Dwayne, I think, yeah, that is the right way to go. Um, I think, you know, then you have, you know, your solid A-plus player, um, and it gives you time to develop one of these young guys to be the next guy. You know, you now tell him, like, hey, here, here's the where you need to be. You know, we had... Hulk Hogan, we had The Rock, we had John Cena, we have Roman Reigns. Who's going to be that next guy? And that's where we get, you know, that young talent. You know, I joke saying Dominic Mysterio. But, you know, we get somebody in possibly NXT that uh, takes over. Um, I think you're right. I think, you know, I don't think Keith Lee is the way to go. I mean, you know, the guy's a big guy. He's entertaining to watch. You know, I'll watch his wrestling matches, but... You know, he, he just doesn't do it for me. He doesn't give me that, you know, okay, yeah, this guy's going to be the next face of the WWE. Um, but I think, you know, I think you're right. I think you get Roman up top. You just, you know, solidify him as the face, as the guy. You know, when you say WWE, you know Roman Reigns. You know, I, I don't think I, I would be too upset to see Keith Lee join MVP's faction. You know, maybe as the hired muscle type. Oh yeah, that would be cool. I never even thought about that. You know, but I I think that would work for him. I I think that would be cool. You know, have him suit up just like that and be the guy that's the the tough enforcer. You know, some people are comparing him to the D'Lo Brown of the Nation of Domination. Ah, no, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm saying have him be more of the Mark Henry meets the Kama Mustafa, you know, type version of it. Where he's stoic, you know, he can still give his little cocky, arrogant smirk. He can hurt people. He can protect Lashley, you know, and Cedric now. And, uh, you know, MVP and Shelton Benjamin. But you add him in there, now you got something that could make Survivor Series pretty entertaining. Assuming that Seth Rollins is able to put together his, you know, whatever for Although he turned on Buddy Murphy, so who knows what's going on there. Yeah, we'll wait and see. But I think you're right. I think that would uh, would help Keith Lee out a lot. I think I would like to see him now in the Hurt Business. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what I'm hoping maybe happens to him. I don't have a lot of faith in that. I think you're right. I think we're going to get a lot more Dominic Mysterio, Seth Rollins going crazy, the entire Mysterio family. Maybe that was the deal why Race resigned. If I resign, you have to sign my entire family. Yeah. You know, that, that maybe that's it. And good for him if he did it. I probably would try the same thing if I were in his shoes. So that'll be interesting to see. So we got some good wrestling coming up. Hopefully it gets a little better. We get some better stories, better things to go. 
But I think the most exciting thing right now is we got NBA playoffs, we got MLB playoffs, and we got week two in the NFL. Any last thoughts you want to leave us with? Nope. Let's get ready for week two, man. I'm excited. You know, like you mentioned, basketball playoffs, baseball playoff race coming to a close here soon. Um, good week in wrestling. You know, exciting to see what happens in the next steps with the Roman segment. Um, and, and really, I mean, I'm just excited for week two of football, man. Yeah, me too. Me too. It kicks off in less than 24 hours. This is Uncle Mac. That's Little Dubs. Uh, we will be back in a week to talk more football, baseball, basketball, playoffs, sports in general, and wrestling. Uh, any last thoughts right there? Nope. Just hope everybody has a good week, and we'll be back here next week. We definitely will. Thank you all for listening to us. Looking forward to having you listen to us again next week. Y'all take care out there and enjoy the sports weekend.